The Pittsburgh Steelers have brought in at least have scheduled to, to interview two offensive coordinator candidates, Zach Robinson, quarterback coach for the Rams, and Cliff Kingsbury, former head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. What does that say about their offensive coordinator search? To, to talk about that, I brought in former NFL quarterback Justin King. He's an expert in a lot of, in all things football, and we're going to talk with him about all that and more here on this North Shore Drive podcast. For the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello, welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. As always, we bring you this show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this channel to get all the daily content comes out from all of our Post-Gazette writers here uh, on the Post-Gazette Sports. As always, this show is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. When you go to Mike's Beer Bar, they have over 500 different available beers. 300 of those beers are local, and 80 of those local beers are available on tap. You got to try Mike's Beer Bar today when you get there. Tell him Chris sent you. As so before, we're joined by Justin King. Justin King, if you don't know him, you got to know him. He's been on this this, this this channel before. He's a former NFL cornerback, former Penn State cornerback, runs the State of State pod, recovery, recovers Penn State football there. Also, owner of LIG Sports Group. He does everything, including the final <laughs> word with me on Channel 11 some nights. Justin, welcome to the show. How you been? CC, thanks for having me. Been great, man. It's off season, but it's never downtime, right? <laughs> Absolutely. There's no listen. It's the NFL. They have mastered the art of we will be talked about every day, no matter what happens. hundred um, percent. And uh, but right now, you know, while the NFL playoffs are still going on, the Steelers are are busy and active in the off season. They've got to find an offensive coordinator, and they've they've at least scheduled that we know of two interviews that we are that, that we could talk about here. One, the first one we knew about was Zach Robinson. He's a quarterback coach slash uh, passing game coordinator for the Rams. Been with them for five years, and he's been he's been a big part of the Sean McVay system. And you know, there's a lot of allure to get those types of guys. Then there's also Cliff Kingsbury, who was announced uh, uh, yesterday, in fact. Uh, and Cliff Kingsbury, of course, former Cardinals head coach. Uh, and then, of course, was head coach at Texas Tech. He raised up Patrick Mahomes there, so that's kind of what put him into the limelight. Uh, current USC analyst uh, this this past season. When you hear those names, Justin, w- what speaks out to you about either of them? And if there, if you would, if you looked at, if you were to just pick between those two, which one would you think would be the better fit for the Steelers? Well, it's interesting. I mean, it's obvious that the Steelers are targeting that, well, say that core offensive guy, right? Even when you think yeah. about like Coach Robinson, where his whole time in the NFL has been with the Rams, whether it's uh, from the quarterback, helping out the quarterbacks or the receivers, and then you got pass game coordinator. So really being involved in just that pass aerial attack from the Rams. And we've seen the type of success that they've had, whether it's working in the different things from the running back standpoint with a Kyron Williams coming in from Notre Dame and mixing in having uh, success with and on the outside receivers and different type of receivers they had with the LA Rams, more of a schematic based approach, but mm. having tremendous success. And so having someone like that where you have success, I mean, on the West coast with those type of players, bringing them into like a situation where we kind of been a little puttery on the offense. I mean, I think is a, as a good target. And when you think of someone like a Cliff Kingsbury who has head coach experience has um, developmental experience when you talk about like a Patrick Mahomes coming out of coming out of um, Texas Tech, 
but also very well known as an offensive type of guy. I don't like to use the word guru, but someone that has been as a, a track record or you like to say evidence of impact in bringing in players, molding them, and putting on a good offensive performance. Um, you don't always have that, whether it's from the head coaching space, but he's always done well in that offensive coordinator, uh, quarterbacks type of situation. And I think bringing them into an organization like the Steelers, play a, a guy with former head coach experience and the different type of offensive background can be very beneficial to the Steelers where you don't have to handhold them all the way through means a former head coach, understand what's mm -hmm. going on and just understanding the different aspects, whether it's acquiring a new quarterback or just dealing with the quarterbacks that we have now on the roster. So I actually like those two, um, those two to uh, coaches um, to look at for the fit of the Steelers. I've, I think a Cliff Kingsbury would be kind of, uh, would kind of lean. I would lean that way. I'm more, um, I guess I'm more favorable to former head coaches when you're coming in talking about that officer coordinator role and just understanding the different aspects and dynamics that you need within an organization. I think the Steelers are one of the more, um, consistent organizations in the whole entire NFL. And so when you think about that, just having a plug and play type of situation where someone that understands like structure from a head coach versus a more so upcoming proven offensive guy in Zach Robinson, which I think he can work as well. But within that Stillers frame, it seems like someone like Cliff Kingsbury would kind of give the nod from my perspective. I, I hear you on the experience part as far as, you know, being a head coach and being a leader of a room that that's that's important too. like as much as the schematics, as much as anything else. Matt Canada's lackings offensive coordinator, I, I always felt were more about his inability to get everyone on the same page, to get people to understand what the plan was each week uh, and to and to kind of set the set the stage for the rest of the for, for the week heading into each opponent. And that kind of put the Steelers at odds on offense. And you thought Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan kind of narrow that th those problems down to let the offense get a little more singularly focused. And Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach, he would have had experience there. Um, my only contention with, with Cliff Kingsbury is, one, he has been an NFL offensive coordinator. He has been a head coach. And when you look at his two runs at head coach, which Texas Tech and, uh, and and the Cardinals, they have been great. And maybe that means, hey, the the whole process of being the head coach is too much because that is – that is a whole other job. When you like, like Mike Tomlin, he has to be CEO. He can't. He he's not a play caller. He's a guy who makes sure that all thing all things are running on things, and that's that's a different kind of a job. But when you're offensive coordinator, you get to singularly focus on guys. And when you listen to Patrick Mahomes talk about Cliff Kingsbury, he said like, "Hey, you know, a lot of guys want to make their quarterback be pocket passers. They want to change them from their strengths." And Cliff made me embrace my strengths, and that was part of what helped him develop in college to be, you know, the tenth overall pick by the Chiefs, and a guy who, um, you know, now is the best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. And so, if the Steelers are looking at either developing Kenny Pickett to be a better quarterback, or finding another quarterback who Cliff Kingsbury will work closely with, whether that's you know they trade for a Justin Fields, or they draft a Jaden Daniels, or they, you know, they do something else to bring in another talent in. I, I get the allure of a Cliff Kingsbury for his experience, uh, you know, as far as working with quarterbacks. He worked with Kyler Murray in Arizona. Um, but I also then wonder, you know, Zach Robinson, that's exclusively what he's done. He worked with Matt Stafford. He's really helped them. He's really helped him uh, in his in his couple of years with the Rams. And I, I, I kind of go back and forth about these two, but I'm also intrigued to see 
who else would they be considering to bring in? Because these are two kind of pass heavy guys that they're, that they're bringing to the table to start. And we, we still haven't seen the whole list, but granted some guys like, uh, I think it's Clint Kubiak with the, uh, with, with the Niners, they're still in the playoffs. So you, you haven't gotten a chance to maybe get to all of the interviews you want to talk about. No, hundred percent. And I think you made a great point about having success as a head coach or lack there of success as a head coach doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be a great offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator for that matter, because it's, it's there are two different positions, right? Like even right. though that's your, your frame or your core interest from the offensive side, but like some, some guys are made to be coordinators. So even when we think about that, I think if there is a, a notch on your belt when you have that head coach title, because you do see, the organization in a different way. You understand your your puzzle piece and where it fits in like supporting that head coach and how everything goes versus sometimes like a, a person that's just strictly on offense or whenever they're throwing, they get kind of singular focused and don't really care about anything else that's going on. So when I think of like an organization like the Steelers, where it is a, a, a pretty, um, I don't say a stagnant puzzle, but like there's certain pieces within the organization. It's like, hey, this is how we do things, right? So you have to adjust to the Steelers way to an extent. And sometimes when you're just singular focused on that offensive quarterback position or the receiver in the pass game, you kind of lose track of everything else. So sometimes having that coordinator with head coach experience can kind of mend the different pieces and puzzles. Man, we're dealing with elite athletes, a lot of egos from the coaching standpoint and the player standpoint. And so being able to mesh and judge those different things is a, is a benefit, but I think it comes down to, which way the Steelers want to roll? Because I think there's benefits to both of those guys. Absolutely. And heck, the Steelers have benefited from former head coaches and coordinator positions before. Todd Haley was a head coach of the Chiefs. He, I think he created the best, you know, numbers-wise version of Ben Roethlisberger for the Steelers. Dick LeBeau created one of the greatest defenses in, the, in all of football <laughs> when he came back to the Steelers. He was a head coach for a little bit. That didn't that went very badly for him. But exactly. Uh, you know, Hall that guy's the Hall of Famer. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's not something to throw out, um, but something to consider. And again, they got other guys that they're probably going to interview. There's guys that, you know, for, for the for the Niners, guys for the Texans, you know, I, I and the Texans are out of the playoffs, but I think it's it, this is going to be a bit of a process, which might we might see for another few weeks kind of play out here. Um, you know, and I, I think that the dominoes won't start to fall until all the until head coaches start to get hired uh, in, at, a, at a much higher rate. Uh, and especially head coaches who are, uh, um, who you know, who are who are in high demand uh, right now, uh, because that's that's when you start to see when you see like one big person fly that everyone's waiting on. That's who uh, that's when you start to see the other ones like, you know, Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator for the Lions. A lot of people are eyeing him for a head coaching job. And so I think you're not going to see unless like Jim Harbaugh gets signed with somebody. Uh, I think you're not going to see some of these offensive coordinators fly off until teams get get a sense of who their head, uh, who the big head coaching hires are across the NFL. I completely agree. I mean, the head coach sets the essentially sets the market for the assistant coaches, right? I mean, I mean, the Steelers offensive coordinator position I think is one of the prime positions to be in the NFL. Working for the Steelers organization is one of the prime spots in the NFL. So, I mean, when you balance those different type of things out, it just comes down to fit. 
Absolutely. I want to talk with Justin about defense and especially the Steelers secondary and what they did right this year, what they need to do better next year. We'll do that on the other side of the first break here of the North Shore Drive podcast, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Chris Carter, Justin King here. But first, I want to remind you guys, this show is sponsored by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. When you go into Mike's Beer Bar, it's on Federal Street, right across the street from PNC Park in the North Shore. They have over 20 televisions. So if you want to go there to watch any of your sporting events, you can even call ahead, reserve a table with a TV designated for the game that you want to watch with you and your friends. It's a great time when you're there. And while you're there, you're trying one of 500 different available beers, 300 of those beers from local area, and 80 of those local beers are available on tap. And they're always switching new ones in and out every single week to get you new options. Trust me, you'll never run out of options, and I never do, whether you like IPAs, sours, stouts, Hefeweizens, they have every type of beer you could imagine right there available at your fingertips. And they also have amazing food. You can get a steak on a stone. What that is, is they bring you a your choice cut of steak brought to you on a heated stone and 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 it's really hot. And as you cut off every piece of the steak and press it into the stone, you choose how well done you want every single bite of your steak. You got to go to Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar on the Pittsburgh. And when you get there, tell them Chris sent you. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Chris Carter, Justin King, former NFL cornerback, owner of the LIG Sports Group, uh, you know, a host of the State of State podcast, and uh, on on with me on Channel 11's WPXI Final Word. Justin, let's talk about the Steelers secondary, and I want to lead off with a fellow Penn Stater that uh, that you got to watch play this year, Joey Porter Jr., who. I think turned heads as far as uh, lockdown. You, I see that. I see this. I see this. Um, I think he turned a lot of heads for good reasons this year. You know, he still, he didn't have the big interceptions numbers, but he didn't have to because he did so many things well in coverage that he, you were stupid if you were throwing it to him sometimes because he was, he had guys so blanketed. I believe he had the lowest completion percentage allowed by, uh, by all, by all rookie cornerbacks. I believe he had the lowest completed percentage. He had the, yeah, lowest complete percentages of all cornerbacks targeted at least 50 times this year. He did a very good job. What did you see allowed for him to be as good as he was as a rookie in the NFL? Honestly, man, lockdown you alumni, but to be completely honest, to be ready to play at that level as a as a rookie, I mean, it's, it's credit to his preparation coming out of Penn State. Now, I mean, obviously it's the home team. And my dad coached him in college, Coach Terry Smith, one of the top corner coaches in it, um, in college football. So, like, the way that he came in, him, uh, even just another one, like Jair Brown, they were both named uh, safety for the mm-hmm. 49ers. They were both named to the all-rookie team on the defensive back, back end. So, with that being said, he always had an elite skill set, right? Like, there's just – when you see Joey Porter as a corner, there's not necessarily many corners like that. And someone that also has come up in the NFL, it man, it seems like yesterday – when I was the recruiting coordinator at Penn State and Brandon Hunt and Kevin Colbert were like, you know, beating down my phone, like, you guys need to get on Joey. You guys need to get on Joey because he grew up in the Steelers organization. So there's a level mm-hmm. of, of comfortability of just being around in the NFL. And to be completely honest, that is a, a large learning curve for a lot of rookies. It's just like the NFL lifestyle. So he had that thing already summed up, let alone the elite skill set, right? The length that he had, the short area quickness. He plays with a lot of um, physicality and toughness. And, you know, he, he's he's one of the, I guess, the old molds of um, like those lockdown corners where you can really like strap up. He's yeah. a little baby, a little bit more on the um, physical side of, of coverage. And that 
frustrates receivers nowadays when you got a lot of different um, offensive coordinators. When we talk about like even like a Cliff Kingsbury or uh, the guys down in the Dolphins, like their whole offense or even Shanahan are set up to not let the receivers get touched. So when you get a corner that can get their hands and play tight coverage like Joey Porter does and just the, the God-given ability that he does have, mixed along with like the stage not being too big, being very comfortable within the Steelers organization, you see these type of these type of seasons happen and just that 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 I want to say that uh that closed um development arc for him in the NFL because I mean for me it wasn't necessary like that like there were some things that I had to learn about playing defensive back in the NFL whether it was playing nickel different understanding of routes how to press different aspects and he was kind of he was fully ready for that transition and I think we've seen it this his rookie year I mean I don't know what his actual percentage was, but to have that type of impact from a coverage standpoint. Yeah. So like having that type of co- like coverage um, in the NFL as a rookie is, I mean, it's elite to be completely honest. And so it, it's really cool to see it happen and come full circle. Absolutely. And, you know, along with that 46.4%, that means the NFL quarterbacks when targeting him had a passer rating of 67. Like as much as people ba- bag, on on Kenny Pickett, like uh, a sixty-seven passer rating is like you you probably getting benched in in that in that situ- in that situation, um, and that's 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 how bad it is when teams have to target him. Uh, in fact, the I'm looking at Kenny Pickett. He never had a passer rating that low once this. No, excuse me, he did against the Browns. The in, in the second loss. That's the only game, and that was the one game where the Steelers reportedly were considering benching Kenny Pickett. So that's how bad it is when te- when, when quarterbacks have to target Joey Porter Jr. for their sake. He took on a lot of big-name receivers, too. DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I think he lined up with Devontae Adams. Cooper Cup. Stephon Diggs. Uh, Amari Cooper. Jamar Chase. T. Higgins. You know, you name him. You name him after, like, the about week five or so, he took them on. All, all year long. And there were some times, you know, you saw veteran receivers get the best of them. You know, Amar, Amari Cooper, you know, didn't have a lot of yards, but there were some key situations where he got just the right kind of leverage there. What are things that you've seen that if Joey Porter Jr. is going to take the next step and become not just a, a really good rookie that's in that top rookie conversation, but also maybe an all-pro cornerback or a Pro Bowl cornerback, what are the things that you need to see from him to take that next step forward? I think when you become a possession creator is when you really separate yourself in the defensive backfield. I mean, he's played, like you talk about that 46%, but just having more, I mean, turnovers, essentially, just interceptions when it comes down to it and making those in timely manners, right? Like, whereas it's that type of situation where, like, he's closing out games when a ball is thrown to him. And, I mean, that comes along with it. I mean, he has some, he had a play this year when he gets OBJ, where it's on the, on the goal line and he makes the mm-hmm. interception to start it off so he's he's shown that he has the ability to do that so doing that at a high clip like you said making him a a possession creator once he has that under his belt and is kind of moving away from like that lockdown type of sphere i mean because that's kind of what i think ike taylor was he was that top tier lockdown type of guy but not necessarily a possession creator and when you become a possession creator i think as a as a corner it's a different it's a different premium and you don't as necessarily even have to be i mean necessarily like a lockdown guy anymore like a, like a marcus peters i don't know what his situation is but like guys that really turn the ball over a lot of times have high risk high reward type of situations so now that he's understood that okay this is how i can cover guys from an intermediate short area distance 
and be locked up and then also create turnovers. Now you're talking about an all pro top three corner in NFL because he's a natural mismatch from playing corner to begin with. You just don't have that many mismatch corners in the NFL. There's only a few physical, like from the physical standpoint, you got Jalen Ramsey, um, the, 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 uh, I mean, I'm trying to think who else is like kind of just a physical mismatch for most guys. I mean, Jair Alexander, he's more skill based, but he's still that type of he could uh, be that he could be that kind of guy. Yeah, he can be that be that type of guy. But um, I mean, across the board, I'm not I'm not miss out any guys. I mean, obviously there's there is Snead like me, but even uh, him, he right. plays at a high clip from a technical standpoint, not necessarily mm-hmm. just like walking on the field, just a physical dominating presence at corner. There's just something to be said when we think of football being a game of numbers and angles when someone can eliminate those for the offense and that's what joey porter possesses absolutely and uh like to your point you know i think that as he gets sharper he'll create more of those possession downs but also he'll learn i think he'll learn more ways how to be more physical at the right points because you know that was something that as the year went on veterans who studied him could be like okay he likes to jam me this way I'm going to try to counter him that way. And that's when the chess match start chess matches start happening at the cornerback position. And I think you saw in a rookie year, he I don't feel, think he ever hit the rookie wall, like the place where you like, you know, you've made enough plays and now you're just about to start making a lot of mistakes because the game's moving too fast for you and you're having to catch up with new play schemes and new studying opponents every week. That never happened to Joey Porter Jr. And I think that's a very good sign of his mental acumen to be ready for all the challenges that are coming with him and to be able to think at the high level you need to to be an elite NFL cornerback. I think you're witnessing somewhat of a perfect storm, right? Like when I when I say mm. growing up in the Steelers organization, like that's not that's not normal for someone to grow up in an organization, go to the school in the state, and then get drafted to that school, get get drafted to that organization in the NFL. So when you talk about not hitting a rookie wall, a lot of times rookie wall comes from a lack of knowing was going to be coming up. Like, all right, I've been training this offseason. I'm going in. It's just kind of very reactive. Like he's lived this life his entire life, right? Like coming through training camp, understanding the expectations of the Steelers organization. When all those things are met when you're coming in, you're just playing football. And like, and now you're just playing football and getting better as you go. That's why it did look like he was getting stronger as the season was going on because there is an emotional aspect in football and just like everything outside of the, the, the field and the practice where you have to get. And he understood that already. So, I mean, that's one of those benefits of when you're drafting guys that, or NFL kids that grew up in the locker room. Like there is a benefit to that being um, a part of his, uh, his makeup. Absolutely. I want to talk more about the Steelers secondary and other things they need to do with the secondary moving forward. Joey Porter Jr. is obviously a piece that you, that you're going to build around, but what should they do with their other cornerbacks? What should they do at safety? We'll talk about that on the other side of this next break here on the North shore drive podcast from the Pittsburgh post Gazette, Chris Carter, Justin King. We'll be right back. We're back here in the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter, your host here with former NFL cornerback Justin King, again, owner of LIG Sports Group. Uh, you can catch him on the State of State pod, Channel 11, all the places. Justin, let's talk about the rest of the secondary. Let's stick in the cornerback room for a second here. And a guy who flexed into safety a little bit this year when, when it was necessary, and Patrick Peterson. And I didn't think he did a bad job at safety. I think that he was solid when he went there. I think against the Bills, you saw when he did that, when he started to do that a little bit, 
it was he was kind of not in a comfortable position. He's not he's not still not a strong tackler, and you kind that's kind of what you want at the safety position when you have a Minka Fitzpatrick around. Um, but he certainly brought his veteran experience, his veteran understanding of the game, and that probably helped the flow of the defense and the communication of the defense when things started when guys started to fall down uh, to injuries across the board. But his cap hit next year is nine point seven seven million dollars. That's a lot of money for a, for a, for an older cornerback. He'll be, I think, he'll be thirty four years old next year. Um, and I think he showed that he could still be a contributor on defense. And you'd love to have him back. But at that price tag is that a little too much for a cornerback? If they cut him, they would get six point eight five million dollars back in cap space, and that's money that you can go get somebody else with. But what with that with his experience, what do you think the Steelers should be looking at with with Patrick Peterson moving forward? I mean, I like I think you said it. A nine point seven million tag is is a is a lot for a guy that's, um, I guess the leader of the back end, right? Like he's not making super impactful plays, but like there right. is a benefit to having a player like it, like like him that's had success in this league. I think there's, I think you can credit a little bit of his presence to Joey Porter's success, right? Having someone that they can lean on to understand like, okay, how do we play these different areas? Because like Patrick Peterson was a possession creator when he got into the NFL. I mean, he's been that his whole entire career from different positions on the field, whether it's nickel, corner. I mean, I remember when I, I, I was I was still playing when he got into the league, so kudos to his longevity. But at one point, he was playing receiver a little bit for the, for the Cardinals. Like he would go both sides. So just having that football acumen in the back, in the room is very beneficial. Is it $9.7 million worth of value? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Like I wouldn't kind of lean that way, but probably an upgrade from that standpoint on the back end where you just have talent across the board. But the Steelers have always kind of approached the building of their secondary like that, where it's like a staple piece, and then you have some other guys like you have the Minka Fitzpatrick when it was like Troy Palomalo versus the guys that were st- like played football in the Steelers way and like and were able to play on the back end of a zone coverage because there's different asks for the asks for the um for the stiller secondary just based on how they pressure the quarterback you know you have tj watts and things of that nature there's you don't always have to have top tier people across the board you need to have people that are smart and know how to make plays on the back end and when that happens you have good things cooking so like i don't know if that 9.7 million dollar um, tag is is worth it so to move on from him and and upgrade on that back end with youth and having some more cap space is probably the way that this is a role i i think that that makes a lot of sense uh, a perfect example of a player you're talking about who you know what not a big playmaker but a good role player that allowed other guys to flex you look at terrell edmonds and what he did for the steelers uh granted probably you know, a reach of, uh, in the first round but his presence at strong safety allowed for the Steelers when they got Minka Fitzpatrick, he didn't have to worry about doing all the things he did this year as far as helping in the box, attacking the line of scrimmage a little bit more. That allowed him to have seasons where he had, you know, five interceptions in 2019, four interceptions in 2020, six interceptions in 2022, leading the NFL there. Uh, and he didn't have a single one this year. And whereas the defense did finish sixth in points allowed, if Minka Fitzpatrick's able to be a bigger playmaker, they probably finish higher. This, this year and I think part of that was their safeties one Keanu Neal came in got hurt pretty early uh and wasn't able to finish the season Demonte KZ he's more of a free safety himself I think at times he can hit hard but uh he's more of a guy you want ranging in the back end Patrick Peterson if he comes in I, I feel like with his with his strengths he'd be more of another free safety 
And if you have another free safety out there, that can limit the chances that you're putting Minka Fitzpatrick in the prime position to be an X-factor type player. Unless Patrick Peterson gets really good at covering the slot and covering tight ends and, you know, can show to be a different type of player next year. I agree with you. I think that that's a tough ask to bring him back at that number. Um, and you could go in free agency and try to find other answers at cornerback there. But let's talk about safety, too, because Minka Fitzpatrick, like I said, didn't have, you know, an interception this year. He was still a good contributor for the Steelers at times, but nowhere near the, you know, all pro that he's been uh, for the Steelers. He's been a three-time first-team all-pro safety. So, like, they want to get him back to that level, um, and that's a huge part of what would make their, their defense great if they could get there. The question is, what do they do at safety here? You saw guys like DeMonte KZ and, and other safeties that they rotated in, whether it was Trenton Thompson or Keanu Neal. Do the Steelers need to – go into the safety market in the free agency and just find another veteran who can be that stronger hitting cover the tight end guy, or should they try to st- take a stab and maybe the, the draft or so and find a younger guy who, who they can, don't have to pay too much to work alongside make if it's Patrick moving forward. I'm always, I'm always of the philosophy of going to the draft and finding a guy, right? Unless there's, I don't know if there's someone that just fits that billing where like you back in the day had Mike Mitchell or you bring in like a, a Megan Fitzpatrick. Cause even when he was brought into the sales organization, there were, there were, there was pushback, right? Like, Oh, what are we doing? Giving up all these things for this type of player. Cause I mean, when it comes down to those middle of the field defensive backs, I don't think, I mean, sometimes a casual fan, the informed fan know how valuable they are until they're gone. Right. Like you talk about that nickel position when, you know, having a prime nickel position or a safety, like they make certain plays, but they also prevent plays from even happening where there's just there's more value in the film room than there is on just CBS or Fox on a Sunday afternoon. So like even with Minka just not really having any interceptions or turnovers, there was a lot of holes and things that he covered up right whether it's making plays close to the line of scrimmage when you're talking about in the run game and it's like okay that's a two-yard gain and not an eight-yard gain right when you're like hey what's going on what's like this person missing tackles you point out patrick peterson missing tackles because that's something that we always see from the back end when guys aren't there but with my my thought process would be going into the draft and finding a young guy that you can kind of bring up within that system when you have a veteran like minka fitzpatrick back there already as a as a the glue guy essentially no, I hear you entirely, and that is that is a big part of this too. And also, when you get in a rookie, you're not paying them for, for about four years. So um, we're not saying first round pick, but maybe mm. they, you know second, third, fourth round pick. Uh, those type of guys can come in and be an athletic boost to your defense. Like you said, you know, you want a guy who can run with different people, you know, an example, just to not, not say I haven't studied this guy at all, but I've seen, you know, reports on him, but like Tyler Newbin from Minnesota, you know, he's a six, two guy, two ten, played pretty well this year uh, in the big 10. You know, if he could be a guy that comes in lines up on tight ends, cause that, that was the thing that Terrell Edmonds did. He was an eraser at times that, you know, he wouldn't, you know, get your turnovers, but if you lined him up in the slot, in the box, he and you took he he took he could take on receivers, running backs, and tight ends, and he wouldn't shut them down, but he would make it so that he's close in, in coverage, so that quarterbacks, if you're going to throw it, you got to throw it accurately to get it past him. And when doing that, that allowed Minka Fitzpatrick to say, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna go roam. I'm gonna go do. I'm gonna go you know patrol the middle of the field, play robber zone in the middle. You know, play deep in the middle, try to try to bait different throws that we can force here. I think that's what the Steelers need to get back to in the secondary to get back to being uh, a turnover creating. I mean, they they, they did a they did a, a few turnovers this year, uh, but no, no t- person on the team. I think there was only maybe one player 
No, all you know, no one had more than two interceptions. You had KZ with two, Alex Highsmith with two, Patrick Peterson with two, and Levi Wallace with two. Everyone else just had one interception on the year. You want to get back to creating those at higher rates if you want to be an elite defense in today's NFL. It's not the days anymore where you can just stuff the run and then just get a stop on in the pass on third down. You have to create turnovers in today's NFL because the offense will eventually find a way to poke, poke their way through. So, Justin. If you think that there's a top priority for the secondary this offseason, what should the Steelers be targeting? Like if, if you if you if, if you had one thing before anything else, what do the Steelers need to go for either in the draft or in free agency? I mean, you want to look for like a position flexible defensive back. I think that's what I would, would come okay. come down to. Someone that can play essentially both of those roles, right? When you have I mean, I, I can't think of a, a direct player, but like someone of a Patrick Peterson type of mold that is able to play corner and nickel and move inside and outside and have that type of depth on the back end to be able to create different looks when you're sending in different blitzes and not being able and being able to rock and roll and do different things of that nature. I think that would be beneficial to the Steelers defense at this point. Absolutely. We'll keep you covered here on the North Shore Drive podcast about the future prospects of all the different uh, things they can do moving forward. The Steelers have a lot of things to check off before they even get to free agency. They got to get to uh, they got to hire an offensive coordinator, which means they're probably going to have to hire more offensive staff. The Raiders are even interviewing their QB coach, Mike Sullivan. So we'll see, you know, what other players and or what other coaches they want to bring in uh, for other positions. But of course, they've also got to start the draft process. Senior Bowl is coming up. Combine after that. Um, and then free agency coming in March. We'll get a lot more answers as the Steelers make their moves. Justin, thank you so much for joining us and giving us your insights here on the show. Let me know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Well, thanks for having me. Well, you guys can check me out. I'm on all social platforms. You check me out on Twitter at the King One, on Instagram, J King L I G. Then just follow L I G Sports Group for all your recruiting, sports career advice, and insider tips. Absolutely. He's Justin King, former NFL quarterback. Get all, get all of his stuff there. Thank you so much, Justin, for joining. Thank you all for joining us here on the Wednesday edition of the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my, read my work at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, post-gazette.com. Find this show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube for, for all of our, our talking points. I've got to run off to the Pitt facility because we're talking to their newest their newest transfer portal recruits today for the first time. And that's going to be on post-gazette.com along with myself and my partners, Noah Howell coverage of pit football and basketball uh as it continues and as always we'll keep you updated with all the new updates from the steelers from all of our steelers beat writers again at post-gazette.com we'll see you here on friday back on the north shore drive podcast thank you for tuning in to another episode of the north shore drive podcast from the pittsburgh post-gazette if you watch this video on youtube please like the video and subscribe to our channel for all the sports coverage from the post-gazette that we have to offer visit post-gazette.com 